that skill transfer, like you said about like that embracing that challenge mm-hmm. of you can't do this. Well, I'm going to show you, I mean, maybe not, maybe I can't, but mm-hmm. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get up this hill. I'm going to try and carry this sled with me. You know, if I don't, I'll get halfway and tomorrow I'll try and get three quarters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, everything doesn't have to be done in one day in one try. And I think part of a team thing, part of, you know, the Olympics being every four years is great because it, it gives you the time to, we're trying to get 1% better, maybe half a percent better today than we were yesterday. And there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be hard times, but that challenge if it took you four years to do one thing and on day one of year four, you accomplish it, that satisfaction, you get four years of satisfaction in one day. You know? <laughs> totally. There's no wonder these, we as athletes <laughs> celebrate when we win because it's not about that one win. It's mm-hmm. about everything that came before it. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt PD Radio. This week's guest is Matt Anderson. Matt is an American professional volleyball player. He is one of the best outside hitters in the world, a two-time Olympian bronze medalist who has played on numerous world clubs throughout his career and has a list of wins that is nothing short of remarkable. Very few players are able to play multiple positions at the highest level in international volleyball, but Matt Anderson is one of them. In 2014, while in the middle of a highly successful career, Matt decided to take a break from playing volleyball to focus on the relationships with his loved ones and with himself. He's a highly self-aware individual who faced character noticings within himself that were not in alignment with the person he wanted to be in his life. That break in playing was a powerful tool for his growth, not just internally and in his relationships, but equally on the court. I love that part of this conversation so much because it really takes courage to face yourself honestly when things feel off and to do the work that is necessary to get yourself into a higher state. And it takes extra courage and authenticity to do it when you're living a copious amount of external success like Matt was. In this highly authentic conversation, Matt and I get down on talks around becoming a new father and how that's impacted his life, being a passionate team player, where that comes from, what that means to him and how it impacts his life, pivoting through COVID, appreciating the time off, but also being fiercely ready for competition. We discuss sacrifice, how that's showed up in his life and the necessary effort needed to maintain healthy relationships while living and traveling the world. We talk about 2014, why he took a break in the midst of a thriving career, what he learned about himself in that moment, and the exploration of self and how that served him. We discuss the importance of pushing past the fear of facing yourself when things are off to keep developing yourself in the most ideal of ways why book ending your day is a powerful performance tool and the power of a reset. We talk about journaling 
is a self-awareness tool and why Matt has turned to it in his own life. Matt talks about getting 1% better every day and making failure a stepping stone to be happy with your effort. You guys, there is so much beautiful wisdom shared from Matt throughout this talk that anyone listening will gain from taking it in. His goal in his own words are to be regarded as one of the best players ever, but more so to be regarded as one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I feel like he's certainly achieving that. So before I hit play, I would love to ask for some support. Let us know that you're listening to this episode by sharing it up on your IG stories and tagging both Matt and I. Our IG handles are in the show notes. And if you have not already, please give this podcast a five-star rating and review via iTunes. It helps the visibility of this podcast so much and me and my team deeply appreciate the support. Okay. I'm excited for all of you to take in the incredible mindset gems from this incredibly thoughtful, conscious human and badass athlete that is Matt Anderson. Enjoy. Hey, you guys, before we get started in this week's episode, I want to let you know that I created a free 10-minute kick-ass energy morning ritual for you. The reason why I created this, you guys, is because I know firsthand the power of having time carved out just for myself in the morning where I'm able to get into the highest state of mind, to really get into my body, direct my thoughts, my intention, and get me moving in the direction I want to go throughout the day. Oftentimes, people think it has to be this big production in order for it to be effective. And I'm here to say that is not true. You have no idea how powerful it is to just have even 10 minutes just for you at the start of your day. So let me tell you what this 10-minute morning ritual consists of. First, you get a free five-minute guided meditation. So I created this very bite-sized meditation to just help you get into a calm state where you're really focusing on your breath and elevating your mindset to be moving in the direction that you desire for the day. This is excellent for those of you who really want to start a meditation practice. Next, you get a PDF action step guide to help fill out the remainder of the 10 minutes with some journal prompts, with some movement suggestions, and I even put some intentional nutrition prompts in there for you. You guys, it's simple and it's attainable, and that's the whole magic to it. This is something that you can really integrate into your life, and I promise you, if you are consistent with this ritual, it is going to help to shift your energy day by day to be moving in the direction that you want. You want to be feeling good on the way to kicking ass with your goals and your mission in life. So check it out right now, blackbuttbeauty.com. It's on the homepage. Put in your email and you will get it immediately sent to your inbox. Don't forget to check your junk email because it likes to land there too. All right, you guys, it's time to get into this week's episode. We're recording. <laughs> cool. <It's> like- <laughs> I wish I could be like, we're live, but we're not technically live. But yeah, it's always interesting to start. Um, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah. Very well. How are you? I'm I'm really yeah. happy to be here with you. I um, you know, in doing and studying you and learning more about you, it's been it's been such a fun journey to take you in. And I really, first of all, I want to start with congratulations because you're a new daddy. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Mar- married this He's, year uh, too. Yeah, lots of changes, um, yeah. both welcomed and unwelcome with all the COVID stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, our son is just over nine months now, and we've been married since August, the end of August. So yeah, life is great. It's so exciting. Is how is it? Um, how you know? I feel like becoming a parent has to put a new fire in you. It definitely does. It. it what it does is it like. It basically changes, it changed mine. I can't speak for everyone, changed my perspective on success and changed my perspective on what it means to be responsible for somebody else. Um, obviously, a newborn can't really do anything besides just be there. And um, so the immediate, you know, responsibility is there, but also the long term of just planning, financial planning, life planning, you know, yeah. trying to be active in their life as much as I am in mine and, mm-hmm. and but still giving myself a, the leeway to, to explore different avenues of, of my personal life. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, two of my brothers are, um, first of all, we both come from a family of five siblings, which is awesome. Okay. Um, a right little on. bit at reverse. So two older sisters and three younger brothers in my family. That was one thing that I really, really, um, I just loved about you is that you, you are all family um, mm-hmm. you have all these tattoos that are very symbolic with, you know, uh, towards your family, which I, it really moved me. And yeah, my two of my brothers, um, are fresh daddies and it's just been so I- rad to, first of all, become an aunt to, you know, my little niece and nephew, but to witness them become a parent, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a lot. And they're all like, you know, um, just how you have to go from being so focused on self to mm-hmm. <laughs> what you just said, like this whole responsibility um, up leveling that is not just in the immediate. It's this you're looking at life like the trajectory in a in a different way, and you yeah, it's it's a lot, a lot yeah, of amazing. If you don't have anxiety before you become a parent, you definitely develop a little bit of it, <laughs> what you do. Um, but I, I had some great role models, of course, my parents, uh, aunts and uncles, but also my I'm the youngest of, of five in oh. my family. So all my older siblings, for the most part, have kids, minus my one sister. But uh, yeah, I got to see them from when I was 16 was the first grandchild, my, my second oldest sister had her first and then just kind of started coming and coming and ours is uh number 10 for my wow. mom and dad. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. It's been a lot. And and my mom ran kind of a daycare out of our house since I was, I think one or two years old. So yeah. Um, I've been around babies pretty much all my life and it's been awesome. It's been fun, but still does not prepare you for when it's yours. Um, yeah. You definitely, all the things you say you won't do as a parent, you know, you, you have such an inclination to go and spoil them and, and baby <laughs> them. And, but you have a connection with your child and yeah. what people might per- perceive as spoiling or babying them. You sense something in them and mm-hmm. yes, it can develop to that. But mm-hmm. as long as I think my wife and myself have a pretty good grasp on what it means to be a good parent and 
again, both had good role models and, and also examples of what not to do and, yeah. and what we feel strongly just with our personal views. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, when I think about your upbringing and, and, you know, being a family of five siblings and then you just expanding on that and like all the kids, like you, one of the other things that really stood out to me that I really appreciated is you are such a team player, you know, and listening to you talk about your sport, it's like, that is something that is so, um, just, it's like what, a lot of what drives you right with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, I used to sneak away from my family all the time. Um, I definitely <laughs> like my alone time and I like quiet. Uh, my grandmother lived not too far away from where I grew up and I would go over to her house in the summer all the time to just get away. And she was, she sat in her kitchen, watched her soap operas. And I sat in the living room and either took a nap, you know, watched TV or whatever. And she'd poke her head in and be like, Hey, how you doing anything? Um, but I do chores around our house, but for sure, you're forced into being a team player, especially being the baby of the family. You know, you can't go anywhere without somebody else. And even if I didn't want to go to my sister's volleyball tournaments or basketball tournaments, like, Hey, I couldn't stay home alone. So I had to go. And I think you just, it's ingrained in you, but then also being part of a team, finding that success through group and, you know, the team effort, chemistry, everything that can come from being part of a team. Yeah. Um, I think it's nothing but beneficial for, for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, something that really resonates with me because not just even in the, the, the family aspect of it, but I really identify myself as a team player period. So, you know, it translates into, to every relationship that I have that, that really matters to me, be it business friendships. It's like, that's, who I am and how I show up. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. It's like almost like a standard at which I hold mm-hmm. myself to. And, and that, that for sure was developed and fortified through this, um, you know, through my family and, and our interactions together, like we're, we're a tribe. And so I, I wondered, and I, I felt that, you know, that would have most likely have been the case for you too, that a lot of your, um, you know, the, the, the coming from a big family and having that connection really did play into how you operate as a team player in your sport in volleyball. Yeah. I think what it, what it has instilled in me is kind of a passion and a love. Um, and I mean that in a way of, when I'm part of a team, I think you get the best results out of people by just showing compassion and love and by putting all of yourself into it, it in a way entices them to do the same. Yeah. And I think something we developed with Team USA and a lot of it goes to our coach and his practices, but we've developed a family feeling on the court. and it's just another level of depth into what our team is, but also the motivating factors in our team, because we understand that, you know, I'm not playing just for me now. I'm not playing just for you. I'm, I mean, my family's behind me. And, mm-hmm. and although this is fun and it is sport and there's so much joy that comes from it itself, it's our livelihood. 
And when you can feel that weight of what it's like for your teammate to compete Mm -hmm. for this medal or this prize, what it may be, it's just, it's incredibly motivating to me. And um, although it was more personally driven, like we talked about before Mm -hmm. my wife and son came around, Mm it's just, it's a whole new level. It's a, it's, it's crazy. I don't really know how to say it, but there's just so much more now. Well, I, I mean, yeah, there's a lot there to, to pull apart. I, first of all, I can only imagine. Um, second of all, it makes me want to talk about this pivot that you've had to, to, you know, adapt to, to be agile with, which is the, the pivot of, you know, you were on your way to the Olympics and then you're not, and then this whole year. Um, so gnarly. It's got to, I mean, you, you've really had a year. <laughs> yeah. It's been nuts. <laughs> it's like, can we talk about that for a moment? Cause it's, first of all, um, you pretty much play all year round from what I learned. Right. Which is gnarly. Traditionally. Yeah. Traditionally. And this year is definitely, definitely yeah. an exception to it, but yes. Has that been a little nice for you to kind of take a break for a moment, even though it wasn't yeah. a, yeah, it was, it was a welcomed break. I mm-hmm. think something that I've been playing with, toying with in my brain about my career and and elongating it as much as possible, but also still keeping that fire and passion there was to take some time off away from the game. Mm-hmm. And I found out pretty quickly into to quarantining at home that it, I wasn't ready for that break. Mm. Um, competition is something that you have to train. And I was definitely trained for it. So, um, that being said, like I needed an outlet for it and frustrations came up and, um, just wanting to go work out and not being able to, um, it's volleyball is both a passion and also a very big stress relief for me because it's something I believe I'm very good at and allows me to go excel and be critical of myself without bringing myself down. Mm. Um, so having six months off, seven months off from it was wonderful. You know, it really allowed me to be, uh, an all in dad mm-hmm. and an all in partner for, for my wife. So, um, it was great, but that being said, I am really ready to get back and start competing and, and training really hard. That's rad. And you're, you're, I mean, you're getting ready to go, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm waiting on my visa essentially for, uh, for China to, to get tested and then get on a plane and get over there. And do you feel, um, I mean, it sounds like you feel really confident about like, like you're ready to go. And so despite all the the craziness of this year, you're like, you're locked in and. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. I, I believe I am. I, I want to play again. I, mm-hmm. I want to at least feel that thrill. You know, I got to play just myself out in California for a few weeks of just being on the court myself and one coach. Oh, wow. And it was fun, you know, but having that team camaraderie, that collective push towards something, it's, it's missing a little bit in my life. Yeah. Um, For the sport, you know, obviously life has been great here. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it's, there's so much connection there, but do you, um, how long do you go away for? Yeah, the season in China is really short, and what we're they're doing is they're basically creating what the NBA had down in Florida, a bubble for all the teams to go into, all the referees, all the officials to go into, 
and we're going to be training and competing right there in the bubble. Um, it's their way of keeping the COVID-19 stuff exposure as low as possible. Um, but traditionally, uh, we go overseas after the national team season finishes, which is end of September, October, in that range. Um, okay. The, the exception is the Olympic year, which usually ends uh, the end of July, early August. And then by the beginning of September, you're usually overseas. And then it'll go all the way through May. And then it's a couple of weeks, if you're lucky, um, and you go right to the national team. I think the last few years have been pretty grueling for a lot of guys, um, myself included, with Champions League going up until the end of May and not even five, six days later is the first competition for the national team. So there's really been no break for a lot of guys. And it's it's been pretty grueling. And the women too, sorry, on that side. Yeah, yeah. No, that's heavy. It's a lot of time away from your loved ones. And I, I want to talk about sacrifice with you because when I, when I giggled um, a few minutes back, it was because mm-hmm. I have... In, in learning more about you, your whole life or not whole life, but for the better part of your life, you have been living abroad, traveling the world constantly away Mm -hmm. from, from your loved ones. And that, that takes a, Mm -hmm. I know with Carrie, my best girl, and we were so tight and just, you know, being a witness to her throughout these, these last couple of Olympics and, and what it takes to leave her children and her husband, like it is the gnarliest thing for her. It's so hard. Um, but she has deep purpose, obviously, and, 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 and doing what she does. And it, it, it supports that, that hard, you know, that it's ultimately a sacrifice. And so I just, I would love for you to talk about that, that sacrifice and, and really what goes hand in hand with it is this deep level of commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something I saw many years ago was basically said, like, if you ever want to find out who you are, shine a mirror on the people that you hang out with most often, right? So, like, the people you surround yourself with are the people who eventually you take on their values because you've, you surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, that's what you do. Now you gravitate towards them. Um, and so me priding myself in my family isn't because they're my family, so to speak, but it's because I, I share very similar interests and values with them and having that deep relationship connection with them um, allows me to succeed and do what I do. Now, part of being away from them makes it difficult to keep those relationships really strong. Um, and it takes effort you know, concentrated effort in reaching out and, and not just letting it be a message here and there. It's, it's having a, a full on conversation and, and getting into the deep, heavy stuff that let's be honest, is not comfortable to either speak about or to, to listen to, but that's part of being in a relationship. That's part of being in a family in, in my mind. And so um, if, if we can rewind my career a little bit back to 2015, it's mm-hmm. pretty well documented out there that I was playing for one of the best teams in the world, playing for Team USA and, and thriving in both teams. And I just up and left. I quit. I stopped because I 
turned into somebody I didn't like. And part of that is I lost those relationships and they weren't as strong for me as I wanted them to be, or as I needed them to be, to be who I wanted to be eventually down the road. And so I needed to take some time away and, and explore that. And it was really hard, uh, really hard to pull back the, the levels and the layers of kind. I wouldn't go as far as to say like disgust in my behaviors, but just not as proud and, and honored to say that's who I was. Um, yeah. So it was an extremely humbling experience. Um, I had to, again, address a lot of things that were wrong with myself. And if you've ever done that, it's it's not an easy thing. And, and it's not easy to ask anybody to do that either. You know, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody who is, you know, in your mind gone astray to confront them about it, it's, it's, it's sometimes even more difficult. But um, yeah, being away is not an easy thing. And again, the word sacrifice, I think, is great. It really encompasses what it means. But I'm part of a, a career path that allows me to actually bring my family with me. So when I do go overseas now, my my wife and son can't come with me. Unfortunately, this year in China, they can't uh, yeah. because of the bubble and the regulations. But yeah. like the guys that are over playing in Italy and Poland and Paris, and all those places overseas there, mm-hmm. they're allowed to bring their family with them, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to I want to go back to that for a second because it takes a lot of courage to to pull out, especially you know at that point. When was Rio? I can't because I. 2016. Oh, okay, okay. So you took the break right before. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. No, sorry, it was 14, 15. So it was like, it was this the November 2014. I'm sorry, it was that year, and then yeah, it was right after World Championships. I stayed over in Europe, Mm -hmm. and then went right to Russia to play for my team. And then I was like, I'm done with this. So I flew home. I got home the beginning of November, had Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's at home. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of January, I was back overseas playing with the same team. So was there any fear in that step away? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can we we talk about that? Because what I want to really expand on here is, um, you were so right when you said like that is not easy for an individual to do, like to face mm-hmm. yourself. You faced mm-hmm. yourself with authenticity and you were prioritizing, you know, your your relationships and like things that were so much more, um, not just the relationships, I, it sounds like, um, with others, but really the relationship with yourself, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. to have to to be so real with yourself in that moment. I mean, and you are like a winner times infinity squared. Like you are a winning winner. I don't know how to say it loud enough. And so, you know, to step away from volleyball at that point and all your, you know, all the, all the winning and all the things that were coming with that part of your career at that point to, to honor this truth that you felt about yourself and what was, how it was affecting the rest of your life. Like that takes so much courage. And I think it's something important to put out in the world. Cause there's so many people who, yeah, different life and career and all that, but 
will find themselves in similar situations and, and don't respond and face mm-hmm. themselves in those moments. And then it's like, it's a really becomes dangerous and, and toxic, you know, but you opted into you. And I would love to just kind of pull on that a little bit more and talk about like how that fear felt for you and what it, what your process was to really say, I'm, I don't, I'm, I might be afraid, but I'm going towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- well, I think it, what needs to be said first is I was very fortunate to be at a spot financially and uh, had the luxury to honestly just stop working um, mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I, I know that a lot of people out there that have these issues that have these anxieties and feelings of depression and, and just hardships can't, they don't have the luxury to just stop. And, you know, I, I do feel for them and, but there are things out there for people in those situations, but yeah. to speak specifically of the fear that I had was I had to weigh the option of being okay with myself mm-hmm. and never playing again. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't able to unpack mentally if me being who I was at that moment, at that point in my life was generated by playing volleyball. Mm. And if I continued to play volleyball, if I was just going to end up back in that spot and was I willing to give that up to be somebody I liked? And uh, it took a while because that part of my time in my life, I was living a great life as a, a single guy, you know, I was 27, 26 years old and just loving life Yeah, from the outside, from the exterior, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was definitely weighing on me and weighing on my heart and soul. And, um, it just, it was a couple conversations with John Spira and my brother and my sister and just basically an, an oh shit moment, a growing up moment, uh, you know, the, a quote from a movie. I forget the name of the movie. Maybe it's called The Rookie. Um, Dennis Quaid is a baseball pitcher. Uh, basically says like his dad is this hard Texas man that's like, it's okay to do what you want to do until it's time to do what you have to do. Mm. And part of me knew that I had to stop playing. I had to figure out who I was. Personally, because I felt if it wasn't volleyball that was making me into that person, if I can make my person great again, mm-hmm. it's only going to reflect in the way I play and the way I can play and give to my team and and give to myself. And but that fear is real. That fear, fear is it's something that I struggle with even now because you still have to stay in check with it. You still yeah. have to make sure that it's worth it and. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had with my wife in the last two months about going away for three months. You know, it's she it's raising our son is going to fall on her shoulders and it's going to be really hard. And I understand that. I mean, just being home with the two of us with him for as long as we have, it's not easy. We're both exhausted and yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah. In the long run. Well, that, I mean, that's, you, you obviously have a very, um, you know, powerful team dynamic with your wife as well. Cause that is hard. I mean, your baby's brand new. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not so like gnarly. it's our third baby. It's not like our third right. or baby where we've been through it and we understand it. And right. you know, yes, we, we are 
understanding of the fact that it's going to be difficult. And that's pretty much what we know right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And just trying to take everything with a grain of salt, you know, Mm -hmm. for another cliche to throw out there, but you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Well, you know, you said something a minute ago that I, it was like the perfect segue to, to want to ask you, how did that break affect your game when you came back to it? Yeah. So arguably started playing the best volleyball in my life. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty in the beginning. That's for sure. If you yeah. ever take three months off, I'm, I'm anxious to see what I'm going to be like when I go back to China, <laughs> but, um, I did not play well, uh, right in the beginning, but once I got into the flow of it, it, it just gave me a whole new appreciation for it. So like really getting into the hard days of training when you're extremely sore you have another match in two days and you know that you have to work hard, but like, um, read pretty gave me a good thing. Mantra to kind of live with, with training is bookend it, you know, know that going to each day, starting at nine, finishing at 2 PM, like these five hours, I need to work my ass off mm-hmm. and, you know, two hours into it, it's going to be hard, you know, mm-hmm. but even three hours into it, it's going to be hard, but you're going to be able to do it because you're trained to do it. And so I was able to bookend it and really give everything I could into that. And that's what started uh, one of the best runs professionally that I think that if a modern day team has had uh, with Kazan, my team in Russia, we, we won four champions leagues in a row. We won the Russian league five years in a row, Russian cup four years in a row, something like that. Like we just, we went on a terror. You cr- then, <laughs> yeah. National team, we won World Cup for the first time since the 80s. And we uh, went to the Olympics and won a bronze medal. So, I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy run. What a powerful chapter of your life. And Mm -hmm. I imagine that all of those wins had to have felt so much better internally because of the work that you had just done prior to, you know, in Mm -hmm. in that break for yourself. Yeah, I think what it did was it it, it solidified my decision. You know, mm-hmm. it it reinforced that what I did was for the better. And in on top of the fear back in that time when I was making that decision, you have everybody in your life in that life, that superficial life, telling you don't do it. Yeah. You know, why would you quit? You're playing for the best team, you're making the most money. You're living the life, you know, you have everything at your fingertips. Why would you stop? Well, because I don't like it. You know, I don't, I don't, this doesn't mean anything to me if I can't go home and, and look myself in the mirror and be happy with what I just did. So um, it definitely made all of that worth it. it. It makes me more proud to share the story about it. Yeah. There's so much substance there that it just, there's so much, there's so much more fulfillment. Um, And what I love too, is like, you really have done a great job um, from, you know, a lot of people become their work. That's dangerous, you know, because then you, 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 who you are rests in the balances of like success or not success. And it's like, you can still be successful and not win. You Mm. can still be successful and not be a multimillionaire living in Malibu, you know, like there's a lot of versions of success and, and what it what you value, I think, comes into question. And 
how you hold those values to be true Mm -hmm. and how you hold yourself accountable to that. It's, that's what you need to explore as a person. And it's hard to do when you're 22 and 25 and, and don't necessarily have a wealth of life experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of what you talked on earlier about is I haven't gone since I went to college. I mean, at 17, 18 years old, I started traveling internationally with USA teams and started to experience different parts of the world and and different ways of life. And Mm -hmm. that just started to build the experiences for me. And I was kind of thrown into the trenches when I went to Korea for my first year professionally thinking, I'm going to be like an NBA star, right? I'm going to get paid to go play volleyball and live this wonderful life. But you're training six days a week, two times a day. Sometimes you don't get a day off. I mean, I got one day off a month for my first eight months as a professional, you know? So you're thrown into it and you're on somebody else's schedule and it's just hard. Yeah. But it can be so beautiful and wonderful of a life experience if you allow it to bloom and, and grow into this, this thing that you think it can be. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes me inspired to ask you about the skill transfer. You know, when you, in my life hard, my, my mind literally um, thinks when I hear challenge and hard, I'm like, Ooh, opportunity, opportunity for potential victory mm-hmm. inward, outward um, opportunity for growth. And so you know, and, and challenge is a through line in my life part, you know, some of it was environmental when I, you know, my upbringing as a child, but a lot of it, especially these days is like, I have this whole, um, kind of campaign under my brown, uh, um, under my, my brand called, uh, seek the fight. And so it's mm-hmm. like moving towards these challenges that stand guard at, you know, the, the things that you desire, for yourself, for your life and, and, and Mm -hmm. going into the arena and, and essentially like going into battle. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and I've succeeded a lot of those challenges as an entrepreneur, you face them every single day. Right. And so Mm -hmm. coming back to you and the skill transfer. So when I think about, you know, like this year is crazy, 2020, all the things, the skill transfer of you facing the challenge has to be pretty, um, pretty strong. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you just said, like, there's been t- t- moments where you just, you don't even have a day off and you have to be so resilient. How is that? Let's talk about the skill transfers from mindset that, you know, affect your life off the court. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's two versions I have and I'll talk. It's like, it's pre quitting and post quitting, uh, pre quitting. I couldn't, I couldn't turn it off. I, something as simple as playing a friendly game of ping pong in my basement. <laughs> it wasn't friendly. You know, there was, there's, I felt a visceral response to that competition and that's not healthy in my mind. Um, I think it's, if, you and your friend are kidding into it and it can be <laughs> playful. Yes. Uh, but something as simple as not wanting to lose to my older brother, besides it being my older brother, like, like I said, a visceral response to competition mm-hmm. 
was extremely unhealthy because if I lost the way I acted versus the way I won, if I won in the way I acted, we're, we're just polar opposites. And it, it, it made it not fun to be around me. And I understand that. Now, skills transfer to everyday life now. I mean, yeah, I love it. I, I, I embrace waking up early. I, I force myself to try to go to bed early because I know that when I get up early and I can get things done, mm-hmm. it's just so much more accomplishing this feeling you get inside of like, wow, that was a day. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jimmy V speech about like the three or four things you got to do in a day to have a day, like mm-hmm. laugh, cry. I, there's a couple other things. And it's like, but that's a day, man. Shoot. If you can get a lot of things done, that's great. That skill transfer, like you said about like that embracing that challenge mm-hmm. of you can't do this. Well, I'm going to show you, I mean, maybe not, maybe I can't, but mm-hmm. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to go up this hill. I'm going to try and carry this sled with me. You know, if I don't, I'll get halfway and tomorrow I'll try and get three quarters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, everything doesn't have to be done in one day in one try. And I think part of a team thing, part of, you know, the Olympics being every four years is great because it, it gives you the time to, we're trying to get 1% better, maybe half a percent better today than we were yesterday. And there's going to be setbacks and there's, going to be hard times but that challenge if it took you four years to do one thing and on day one of year four you accomplish it that satisfaction you get four years of satisfaction in one day (laughs) totally there's no wonder these we as athletes (laughs) celebrate when we win because it's not about that one win it's Mm -hmm. about everything that came before it and Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain if you've never really done it, but it it's like Christmas morning for a year, you know, like because nobody else is going to win that championship for another year. So you get to carry that with you for an entire year. And I use it as motivation because that feeling is it doesn't come around very often and your chances to get it are even slimmer because Everyone that is in your field is going for it too. (laughs) Um, But to be able to have something that you remember and look back on, and hopefully I'll be able to share some of these stories with my children and, Mm -hmm. and they'll value it. Yeah. Um, And I don't want them to rest on it, you know, Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, dad did it. I can do it too. Like, no, you got to work hard, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be easy, but yeah, that, Finding that success through that challenge is just, it's incredible. It's a, oh man, it's so powerful. That was a, that was a powerful piece right there that you just dropped on us. I love it. Um, It inspires me to want to ask you about failure Mm -hmm. and (laughs) how, how do you respond to failure? What does failure mean to you? Um, yeah. Okay. So failure is not easy either but it's motivating in a different way um i think to become an elite athlete in any sport you become somewhat of a perfectionist so there's a couple ways you can view failure you can use it as like a way to say okay i'm done i can't do this i'm done like Mm -hmm. go away Um, i'm not going to go down that road anymore Mm -hmm. 
or you can say, you know, the old saying, like, can't go through it. Okay, I'll go over it. Can't go over it. Okay, I'll go under it. I'll go around it. You know, you'll find a way. And and I think that's that's the mindset you have to have when you go into these long training blocks and going through a harsh tournament. You know, World Cup is something that we face every four years. It's the year before the Olympics. Traditionally, the first tournament to qualify for the Olympics, but it's 11 matches in 15 days mm-hmm. against the top, you know, 15, 16 teams in the world. So like, it's not an easy task. Um, and so using failure, because you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. I think that's most people in the world know that um, there are exceptions. There are outliers that somehow succeed and just go and go and go. But one of the best athletes in my lifetime has been LeBron James. And how many times has he gone to the finals of the NBA consecutively? <laughs> and how many times has he lost? Like, but it doesn't deter him. And so that loss, those losses, those Olympic losses for me, those World Cup losses, championship losses are nothing but a stepping stone to accomplishing my all-time goal, which is to be happy with my effort. And so basing your success off my effort, or basing my success off my effort and my attention in the hardest of days is what I really strive for. So failure in an actual competition, yes, it's hard and I'm going to wear it heavy, but it's not going to define who I am. I think it's easy to say because I have had success, mm-hmm. but um, that success is nothing but put those failures into perspective of what they've done for me. And at times I've treated them as something to like, I'm not going to watch the Olympic matches that we lost because that's just hard and I don't want to do that, but I don't <laughs> forget them. I don't forget. I mean, I can probably play that match in my brain mm-hmm. every point because I remember that. Yeah. Versus I don't really remember the match that we beat Brazil in the Olympics to like go to the next round. Like mm-hmm. had no idea. Uh, but I remember every, every point against Italy in both Olympics is that we we've lost at them. So um, it's, it's motivating in a different way. Yeah, no, it totally. Puts the success, like I said, into a perspective. It's so, it's so important to, and you know, and I know, and I appreciate that so much because I, um, one of my favorite quotes ever is from Thomas Edison, the the light bulb where he says, I haven't, I haven't failed to make a light bulb 10,000 times. I've successfully learned how not to make not a to. light bulb. Yeah. And it's so badass because there are so many moments in my, you know, life and business where it's like, man, when things are just hard and you feel like you're coming up short. And I think of that quote, I'm like, imagine if Thomas at light bulb attempt, you know, 1,000 523 was like, nah, I can't, you know, I'm a, that is resilience to just, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think in another piece that was so rad that you, you put in there, it's like, you, you don't, what's really powerful is to take those hits, not let them define you, but also not let them take away the fire in you and take Mm -hmm. away that, you know, like you said, it's like a different form of motivation. Um, because that it, 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 it could easily, it's such a mindset game, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's okay to, to put things down for a little bit. Mm. Um, 
you know, part of a, a reset, whether it's just, you know, from Tuesday to Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. um, using that time away from your training or your office, whatever your business may be, to really let it be. And that's that bookend of, okay, at 2 p.m., I'm done for the day, you know? If I want to revisit it at six, seven at night before I go to bed or whatever it may be, go ahead. But mm-hmm. to have it in a healthy way, yeah. you know, if you find yourself not being able to turn off what you're doing, maybe take an extra, take a personal day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Go drink a cup of coffee and read a book. Journal. No. I, don't, I don't know what, it, go for a walk. Yeah. Go, okay. Whatever you gotta do. You're, it's so good. You, you're hitting some sweet spots for me that I, I want to talk to you about. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about your your day-to-day. Like, what is your morning like? Do you have a morning ritual? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your evening like? Because these hard stops are so not just important for your performance in your sport, in my you know mm-hmm. business, but really for overall health, wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily have like, I need to wake up and I need to go meditate for 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, or, um, I, I don't have set times where I need to do things. I have a feeling in me that says, Mm -hmm. Hey, I need, I need to get some thoughts out. And Mm -hmm. my wife has been wonderful for communicating and poking and prodding me when I need to talk um, about certain things and being a great listener. Um, but when she's not around or it's just not possible to have that interaction, journaling has saved me in, in many, many ways because it's put my thoughts into something tangible. And if you can journal without criticism of yourself and just explore why these thoughts are coming up, um, it takes practice. Um, I think meditating has offered that to me in some times in, in my life, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not really for it. Um, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just mm-hmm. not an advocate of, you know, waking up and exploring your thoughts. Why do you have these things? So like, mm-hmm. um, because my brain works a little bit differently in that way, I believe, but writing and becoming something you can feel. It's like why I like reading an actual book versus an e-reader. It's actually there and I can lose myself in it Mm -hmm. and I can lose myself in my thoughts by writing them down uh, and really explore the levels and and why am I feeling this animosity towards this person or towards this event or why am I nervous? I'm trained to do this. What, what is happening? What, what's, what's underlying and creating this push against it. Um, But I mean, I love a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so luckily here, I I enjoy waking up early uh, like you and that maybe not 4am, but (laughs) before the sun rises, usually I'm up uh, and that's okay because my son gets up. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times in the morning we get, a good hour and a half together, just the two of us and being able to see just him growing and adapting and, and challenging himself. Like right now he's standing, he's trying to stand on his own. <laughs> he's, he's crawling and he's trying to get all these things. And 
allowing him to do that, it's there's a lot of hesitation in me because I don't want him to fall and get hurt. Or you yeah. know, I can just I can just hand this to you, dude. Like here you go. <laughs> I'm learning it, and so I'm using my son. <laughs> it sounds a little weird, but I'm using him <laughs> to like kind of give me some clarity mm-hmm. in certain things. And um, you know, it's the evening is really important for me to like kind of debrief, but just look back at my day what did what happened today and and is there anything i need to talk about is there anything i need to listen to mm-hmm. about with my wife and we have usually a good sometimes it's only two minutes you know sometimes yeah. it's, it can be an hour and a half of us just unloading our day into each other and because we are together we experience most of the day together yeah. but there's times where we definitely see things differently. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be discussed. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I really answered your question there. No, but. you did. It's all a journey. It's just, it's yeah. interesting. Cause it's, you know, um, I, it, it's fun to tease apart someone like yourself who is just living a life of excellence, really. Um, what, what is your day-to-day like, you know, and everyone's is so different and, you know, like I know in my own life, I get tired when my circadian rhythm is really healthy. Right. And I get like, when the sun sets, like rock, I start to set too, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, it's funny cause sometimes friends playfully have made fun of me. I'm like, you're going to bed at like eight 30. I'm like, you guys, here's the thing. I have lived, I have used my mind, my heart and my body very physical, you know, lots of different modalities of movement. Um, I should be tired, but it's this yeah. fulfilling kind of tired. It's not, you know, cause there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's just, um, yeah, it's fun to explore people like yourself, like your, your actual process. And I, mm-hmm. and I do, if you're okay with that, I really want to talk about journaling for a second more, just because it is so, mm-hmm. It is so powerful. I have over 20 years of writing in my home and I, it started before that, but I've moved around the world. And so I, you know, lost journals along the way, but you know, one of the things that is so obvious about you is you have a very deep and powerful sense of self-awareness. And that is, in my opinion, one of the most important assets to, 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 to a being's like just to, to be here and to really be alive. And I have found that my self-awareness has been developed and fortified through this place that I call my favorite room, which is my journal. So um, I would love to just kind of learn a, when did you start journaling and how is journaling if it has supported you and it may be a little redundant. I know you talked about it a bit, but like, mm-hmm. I imagine if you're on the road mm-hmm. and you seem like someone who you need time with yourself mm-hmm. in those moments, have mm-hmm. you gone yeah. to your journal? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I really started and I wrote through a few journals pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first quit, when I first stopped and really started doing this self-reflection. I started going to a therapist and one of their first things was, do you journal? Um, do you put your thoughts down? Cause I mean, I would get there. So if my meeting started at three and from three until four, like 
it was verbal diarrhea just coming out and coming out. She's like, you obviously have a lot of stuff to say and a lot of feelings and things to explore. Mm-hmm. So write them down. You know, you don't always have to come in here and talk. You can, if there's somebody you want to talk to, or you just want to get your thoughts down and see if you actually want to say these things to people, mm-hmm. um, write them down, see what happens. And I was very reluctant to do that. Um, mainly I have chicken scratch, so I couldn't read it, but, um, <laughs> Once I started understanding how I actually write and I think it actually made me a better communicator because when you don't have all these thoughts flooding your brain constantly, you can think clearer and you can formulate thoughts better. Um, There's not things necessarily like impeding on one thought with another. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, like we can't really control the thoughts we have. Right. Um, that's part of something I've learned through the meditation practices, mm-hmm. but giving them, paying them respect mm-hmm. and being able to move on to something else has been huge. And I think journaling, journaling has helped me with that. Yeah, um, I'm not as consistent mm-hmm. as I'd like to be. And I think that's part of times when I have like some flare ups of frustration and, mm-hmm. and inability to pay attention and focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I do have the time to, or I make the time to write it, it, mm-hmm. it definitely ref, uh, reflects in my day-to-day life. I think, excuse me, I think a, a, an important thing to know about journaling is you don't need a book and a piece, like a pen and paper. Everyone mm-hmm. has a phone that has a notes in it, you know, for the most yeah. part. And, and you can be mentally journaling. I mean, I think a lot of times if you can just lose yourself in a thought, go for a walk. And mm-hmm. and if you're out there and you're like, whoa, if you're driving home sometimes and you're like, how did I get home? You know, yeah. You're kind of mentally journaling there. You know, you're kind of on this journey in your head of like, I need to get home, but ah, this really bothered me today. And like, you're paying attention, but you're not really there. And yeah, I think it's happened to most people that have driven home sometimes. And yeah, it's just... It's a way to unload things that are clouding your mind and clouding your judgment and not allowing you to be you, be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. It's so good. And really connects with yourself in a deeper yeah. way, you know, and and that is so important. You want to move through life feeling very self-connected, understanding mm-hmm. who you are, what's important to you and and all the things. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause it's so special and it's not, you know, I mean, there's so many brilliant people who, who validate, um, journaling, you know, when I was younger and I started journaling, it wasn't this high performance tool. I wasn't going to it to write down my goals or anything. It mm-hmm. was like, I, I needed, I craved this space to be in with myself. And that's, that, that was, that was how I was able to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So it was never a tour. It was just always a, a deep love. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think a, a really cool quote and something that I try to base most of my goals on and kind of live my life with a, a, a certain type of passion towards something. And it's, I think it's, it was Maya Angelou who said like, people won't remember what you did or what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. So part of my team that I try to work towards and, and try to, you know, portray in, in my career. And, and part of the way I live my life with my wife and my son is I don't ever want to leave a room or a match or a training gym 
without people feeling that like I brought something to their life today. And it could be as simple as a hello. Mm -hmm. And it could be as simple as going to the supermarket and saying hello pleasantly to the greeter. You know, everyone has crap going on in their lives and just look at your own family and <laughs> how many how many issues your brother or your sister have and you know but you're still able to have a conversation with them make them feel better about their life but that's everybody in the world you know yeah. everybody has something even the the most successful most wealthy people have something going on and it's easy to judge it's easy to criticize but sometimes taking the high road that we talk about is is harder and it's but it's more fulfilling in yeah. my life yeah no that's so beautiful it, um i have this saying where i mean I, it's really beyond a saying it's a, it's a belief that you know we are all an experience it's ultimately what we are so you know you're giving me an experience. I'm giving you an experience right now. We're giving our listeners and our watchers an experience. And so when you think about that, it's like, it's exactly what you said. It's like, you go into a room, like what was the experience that you gave to those in the room? And I actually, it's a, a giggle inside when you were talking about the, the person at the market. Cause I actually use the example of like, when you go to buy your coffee at the coffee store and, and the, and the person there is usually oftentimes, not always, but like, there's a lot of autopilot, you know, like, mm -hmm. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? You know? And then mm -hmm. when you show up and you're present and you're like, I'm, I'm great or whatever, I'm good. How are you? Mm -hmm. And it snaps them out. Like there's a moment of acknowledgement and it, it, it does something for them. Like I've experienced mm -hmm. this in my own life and it, it just really, it, it puts this um, concept of, you know, you we individuals are an experience and there's a beautiful responsibility that comes with that, you know, mm -hmm. that you're either conscious of and you, you, you take on and, and you honor, or you're not aware of, or you, you know, but you're very mm -hmm. conscious of, of that. And it means something to you. And I, there's a quote, actually, I'm going to read. I want to be regarded as one of the best players ever, but more so I want to be regarded as one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, someone that works hard but knows how to enjoy life. Um, that's really powerful. And and yeah, I remember that interview too. Yeah, you're talking about. That yeah, was, uh, was that right before the Rio Olympics? I was thinking I was wearing like a white T-shirt. I had a big beard. Yeah, um, I remember. I, I heard it on audio, so I didn't see okay. it on video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So part of my thirst for life comes from my dad and. The way he was able to compete really hard, he played in a lot of rec sports. Mm -hmm. um, mostly that I remember is like his softball tournaments. And he played for, he was a volunteer fireman, played for like the volunteer firemen's league and bar leagues and all this stuff. But he was a, a diehard competitor through and through. But as soon as the last pitch was thrown, he was the first one to crack a beer with the other team and, you know, and have share laughs. And that meant more to him than the competition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, that just speaks to the human in, in all of us. And um, part of, I was actually gonna bring it up about the connection and, and how you leave people feeling great is think about when you're a kid and the experiences, like when a, an adult actually listens to you as a kid, like what that means to you and that connection and how that made you feel like that's what I try to give to other people and it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes 
you know, when people try to be nice to me, you're just in the mood and you're like, I can't, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I need to go kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I need to check out, but the attempt. And I think we're all just trying to be the best that we can. So to not weigh yourself so heavily and criticize yourself so heavily on one failed quote unquote failed experience. Mm-hmm. There's plenty, plenty more to come. But that, so, that quote was, that was a really good interview. I remember that one. Yeah. I mean, you have several, um, and there's, there's so many more quotes I pulled from, but we don't have enough time, but um, that quote and everything that you just shared from it, it, it's a perfect segue to want to ask you something that I'm so curious about. I think, you know, when you are a fierce competitor and this is your career, this is your livelihood, like there is responsibility that comes with this. Mm-hmm. So you take it really serious. You have to. Um, how do you keep it playful at the same time? Because I feel like that's so important, not mm-hmm. just for actually how that affects your game, but for you to keep the stoke and the joy in a very healthy place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think finding levity in, in something so serious is, is necessity, like you said. Um, I think so much of sport is random. I mean, you you really, you can train so hard for something to work one way and it just doesn't, you know, or it does 99% of the time. And then that 1% of the time, it's just random, you know, it's, yeah. And to understand that it's not just sport that has that, you know, life is like that in a lot of ways. Um, being able to laugh at yourself, I mean, (laughs) I'm a professional athlete and I still trip over my feet every now and then because like it just happens and you have to be able to laugh about it and you have to be able to be vulnerable for that and know that when other people are laughing, it's not like you got to check your ego at the door in a lot of ways. And yes, ego can be helpful and can motivate and can be a driving force behind your competitiveness. Mm-hmm. But if it's the only thing driving you, you're such a fragile athlete, you're such a fragile person that that laugh is going to literally throw you. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, I've I've made mistakes on the biggest stage in sports, you know, and to be able to go back and laugh and yeah, you know, I tripped over my own foot, whatever, you know, <laughs> it happens. But it's not, it's not one point, it's not the end of the world. You know, one, one action is not the end of your life it's not doesn't mean you're a failure mm-hmm. you know it, it happens to everyone <laughs> so good. yeah i yeah, guess being I, the youngest of five will will you help kind of, you <laughs> yeah it really keeps you in check like my older brother can just pull up parts of my game and my career and and well you didn't have that one like yes i didn't you're correct because like, it's a fact you know it's it's part of it's what's out there Oh, dude, I seriously, I really like a lot of, it's hard to kind of go, well, where does this come from? This authenticity piece that is just, it's the only way I know how to live. Um, I I definitely feel like I came downloaded with it, but I will say that my siblings, especially three brothers. So I, my brothers kind of trail right behind me in age. Mm -hmm. There is no bullshit. Like they will call you on your shit. They don't care. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you think about like, someone like yourself and you're, 
you're, you're this mega athlete, mega, you know, I mean, just, and all the, 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 the people who are loving on you on the external, all the yes people. And then you have your siblings who are like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be totally. so helpful to keep you really rooted. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and exploring those relationships and keeping them strong is, is what keeps me who I am. And, um, excuse me, it's, it's really fun. I mean, Christmas time in my family, unfortunately I've been able to be a part of it quite recently, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's years where I don't get to see them for Christmas and New Year's and you know, those, those moments are, there's so many, there's so few and far between that you really get to get together. And and so I think my family does a pretty good job of making a point of getting together when we can. Mm -hmm. And then once we are together, just, <laughs> it's a riot. just being each other, just being, yeah. being ourselves. And I mean, my brother has the nickname of factoid because he likes to think that he knows everything. And <laughs> it's always great to call him out on something that, you know, is not right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, but we don't, that we don't let cool. that small stuff. We don't sweat the small stuff in front of each other and I think yeah. it's more authentic. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's just, it's no bullshit. You can't hide behind facades with your family because They've Mm -hmm. known you forever. Exactly. When you, you know, if you start wearing a hat and you never wore a hat before, like what's, what's going on here? (laughs) That that kind of stuff, but also deeper things, you know? No, totally. Yeah. I just went visual to my family. Like if that happened, like my brothers would be like, Oh, who are you playing right now? No, it's so good. So I want to, I want to ask you about um, this next Olympics for you. So the obvious goal is, is to win gold, right? Mm-hmm. But what what mm-hmm. are the other things that you aspire to accomplish, whether it's the internal and the external? So if you can fast forward to Olympics are done and you're mm-hmm. looking back, like what are those things that you really want to to experience, to cultivate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to I, I think it's, yeah. Um, besides gold, right? We all want. We yeah, go there besides gold. Yeah, we all go there for that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's most of the stuff we talked about in this this little chat here is, you know, leaving my teammates feeling better about themselves and better about, you know, the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to honestly look at myself and say that I didn't leave anything on the table, you know, win or lose. The, I put my I put forth my best effort, and that is in the time of competition, but in the preparation leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also paying respect to sport and knowing that sometimes you show up and you can prepare all your life, your four years of your quad for this moment. And for some reason that day you woke up and it's just not there. Um, not using it as an excuse, mm-hmm. but paying respect to it. And, and being okay, not knowing why. Um, I think we can really get lost in questioning why and everything mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. Um, but life is random and as is sport. Um, but the Olympics is such a, an immense experience mm-hmm. that I think you can go to five or six and really not get everything so to go to this next olympics with my previous two 
in my experience bank and learning something new about it, mm-hmm. learning something new about somebody random, you know, taking time to talk to people and, and try to share our thoughts on this crazy experience that is the Olympics. Yeah. And I get to so, hopefully bring my wife and son there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm planning to be there cheering on my girl. Um, yeah. It's going to be wild, man. Oh my gosh. And especially I think because, you know, this was supposed to happen and then it didn't. It's like, I feel like there's even more momentum of like, you've arrived. <laughs> yeah, totally. So exciting. Okay. Before we start to do um, the things that I like to ask my guests in, in, in this wrap up, I want to ask you, is there anything that we haven't spoke about that you want to speak about or something that you wish people asked you about more um, that you would like to live in this conversation? No, not really. I think, <laughs> I think we touched on a lot of good stuff, but um, I think the, the, I guess there is something, but this, the small little lessons, you know, that parents and grandparents try to teach you it's not because they're trying to stop you from having fun or stop you from being a kid it's it's just small little mantras to keep in the back of your brain and you know like patience and understanding go a long way and if you can truly engage in someone else's experience you can find out a little bit about them and find out where they're coming from and, and why they are certain way in both the behavior and their, their thought process. So, um, it's beautiful. be easy on each other, be easy on yourself. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, okay. So one question that I like to ask all of my guests is if you, if you had a magic wand and you could offer the masses one habit that would have a large ripple effect, a positive ripple effect on their life, what would that habit be and why? One habit. Uh, The ability to disconnect from yourself. Um, I think if you can see yourself amongst everybody else, it totally gives you a different perspective on your behaviors in your thought process and and how you fit into such a massive puzzle. I think everybody has something to offer, but as unique as we are, we are very similar in a lot of ways. And you might be special, you might be told you're special, but in a lot of ways we're special because of those that are around us and they make us a bigger institution, a bigger piece to this puzzle. So uh, the ability to disconnect, I think, would have massive, massive effects on the world. Oh, I agree. That self-awareness piece. Mm-hmm. So huge. I love that. Okay. So the last piece here is I I have these rapid fire words and I just okay. share them. You don't have to be rapid or one word back to me. Okay. You, I, I love, you know, please elaborate, but it's, it's more of what these words, how they impact you. So what comes top of mind, top of heart. Okay. I'll All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun talking to a competitor. Cause I swear there's like a competitive mode that comes, yeah. like I'm about to like throw you fastballs or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're all loud. Let's do this. Okay. All right. First word is love. My wife. Hard yeah. stop. 
yeah. I don't want to go deep into it. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I love that. Um, safe space, vulnerable. I love it. Um, second word is fear. My son. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough one too. Sorry. Oh, no. There's no sorry. It's so it's beautiful. Um, I feel it. You you are love. Like it's so it, all the research about you. I'm like, God, this guy's got a lot of love that moves through him. A lot yeah. of feeling there. So it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's motivating. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to talk about, but it's uh love is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, so powerful. Okay. Sorry, you got me there. No, it's good. I'm all winning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay. Next word is um, challenge. What's next? Um, the biggest challenge in my life right now is not knowing what I'm going to do after. So I think, granted, hopefully, knock on wood, that I stay healthy. You know, I can play for a few more years and, and be relative in the sport to my standards. Um, but what comes next after that is going to be a massive challenge and trying to navigate that competitive edge that I talked about um, into a healthy, habitual trajectory. Um it's going to take time. I think this this break has helped me realize that that's not going to be as easy as I originally thought it was going to be. But like anything else, I embrace a challenge. And uh, as long as I give myself that leeway to understand it's not going to be an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. And I have a better perspective on that now. Um, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. When the time comes, I'm not ready for it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, next word is curiosity. Ooh, um, I would have to say my son again, because I'm just so curious to see who he's going to become and, and really what what's going to drive him to be the best that he can be and, and what that means to him. Mm. So good. Um, passion. Um, again, my family, I don't know. It's a running theme. My passion is to be with them and mm-hmm. to give them the best stage to, to succeed and, and follow their dreams. Yeah. So good. And it's a running theme in my life too. It's literally yeah. everything to me. So yeah, I really, I mean, they, they've definitely, given me my stage mm-hmm. to follow my dreams and passions this way. So mm-hmm. it's only bright in my mind that I do that for them. I love it. Um, next word is courage. Um, probably my, again, I'm going to say my wife mm-hmm. and, and my mom because they, are both in tough situations mm-hmm. and my wife to have the courage to do her life and her passions of photography and, mm-hmm. and being a mom mm-hmm. and to do it alone. 
for the next three months is going to take a lot, of, a lot of damn courage. Um, my mom, because she's still, still rocking it, still being herself and she's not easy, but she's, she is her person and to have the courage to be that still. So good. That's <laughs> so good. Um, okay. Next word is one of my favorite words. Resilience. Ooh, that's, that's a good word. Um, <laughs> resilience. So I think naturally I gravitate towards people that have taught me a lot about resilience and for a direct like instance example is the Navy SEAL trip I took with Team USA a few years back, um, which leads me down another path of family and mm. my cousin who mm-hmm. yeah, space. Yeah, he um it's a veteran, he it's the connection he got a, a bad motorcycle accident. I'm working it. He, um, but he's coming back. He's working his, his ass off to find that regular life again. And he's killing it. That's awesome. Damn. You're gnarly, man. <laughs> I'm feeling you because I'm such an empathetic individual. I feel energy. It's so, but you're, it's beautiful. It's so sorry. real. No, there's no sorry. Like, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, no, I love it. I wish people didn't apologize as much for feeling because it's like it's so oh, powerful. I, no, I know. It can no, be a I distraction. Know. It's all. It's okay. all good. Okay. The final word, also one of my favorites, is excellence. Yeah. Um, gosh, pizza. I don't know why that came into my mind. <laughs> it sounds too so stupid, but. I think a good pizza is just excellent. Um, it's my favorite food. I go for it most times. Really? Yeah. I usually try to get pizza like twice a week, if not three. Dude, you just like... <laughs> Sorry. That's what I thought. That's what came to mind. It's so uh, good. It's such a stupid answer, but... No, gosh, it is pizza not. Pizza is good. <laughs> We're in deep waters just like two seconds ago. Pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a cold beer is nice too. Oh, man. So good. If you can mix the two, pizza, (laughs) good pizza and a cold beer. Winning. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Matt, you are awesome. And I am, I just, um, I want to take a moment to really honor you as a contributor. You know, you are. Uh, this is a, a, I mean, obviously our first meeting together, you, you have mm-hmm. certainly, I'm a new fan and um, I will be rooting for you all the way to that gold. And thank I you. just want to, yeah, I want to say thank you for not only this moment and everything that you've shared so much honesty, so much emotion and passion and vulnerability, but also just how you show up in the world. You know, it's a real contribution because you are showing up with your, your authenticity and your best. And that, that is a service to, to everyone in the world. So um, thank you 
Yeah, thank you for allowing me to explore those feelings and emotions through the show. So yeah, it's been awesome. And nice thank meeting you. you too, obviously. Nice to so. meet you too. I know. Thank you to my girl Carrie. Yeah. Um, so where do people stay connected to you? And everything will be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, through my social media profiles, I I am ashamed to say that I don't interact with most people. Um, and it's not a um disinterest in them or you know their stories and their thoughts i just i try to be connected with those around me as much as possible and um, i do try to send some messages back and forth to people but for the most part i i do read everything so that is uh that is definite um but social media stuff and then obviously you can follow all my pro team sports Mm -hmm. and stuff like that through my profiles i always link it to the teams that I'm playing for and everything like that. Okay, perfect. And you're yeah. leaving soon, right? To China? You're like, yeah. Um, hopefully by the, the beginning of next week. And wow. um, it's a few weeks. I got a quarantine there for a couple of weeks and then it's mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks training. And then we just get right into competition. I mean, so. go. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Well, well, ibuprofen probably. <laughs> <laughs> and pizza. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If there's know. Good pizza in Shanghai, people let me know. all right well thank you so much matt um everybody you guys thank you so much for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one thanks so much for tuning into this episode you guys if you loved it please share it on your social throw it up on your instagram stories and tag me i'm at black belt beauty i am also at roxy look r-o-x-y-l-o-o-k I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next. Oh,